Suppose way back in history, if you had a referee before every war and a guy called a toss. Let's go to the Revolutionary War. Okay. Captain Harbor to the British, just Captain Sober to the settlers. Captain Sober to the settlers, Captain Harbor to the British. Call a toss there, British. British call heads, it's tails. You lose a toss, British settlers win. What we do, settlers? All right, the settlers say that during the war, they will wear any color clothes that they want to, shoot from behind the rocks, the trees, and everywhere. Says your team must wear red and march in a straight line. <laughs> Now I was winged on cucumber and on my wedding day When the fun was over and the guests had gone away My old darling said to me, you must be angry, Joe Alright, episode number five of Comedy on Vinyl This is Jason Klum, with me as always is Mike Warden Hello So, uh, this week we're doing Bill Cosby is a Very Funny Fellow Right Which is his first uh, album ever so, um, Mike knows more about this, so he's probably going to have more to say about it than I do. I mean, this is famous, I think, mostly for the Noah sketches. Those are the ones, at least, I say that because of the only ones I know uh, before today, having heard it this time. Um, but yeah, the Noah sketches are great, and I mean, there's a lot of, um, it's not character work like it was last week, you know, I got to cover all that Richard Pryor, like, character stuff, but, like, storytelling, kind of, quote-unquote, folksy, and, uh... Yeah, I don't know. What is this? Is this the? What, is this the first one you listen to? Yeah, this is the first one I listen to. It's the one I listen to the most of of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the one that me and my little brother we quoted more than any other That's one. Awesome. This is the one we, we we did every time we were playing football outside out front. It was the coin toss bit. Uh-huh. It was, Gavin symbol over here, and that's how I learned history. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> awesome. Is this how it happened? Yeah, and so re-listening to it recently, I hadn't listened to it in years. There was a lot that I picked up on that I remembered why I thought it was funny, like mm-hmm. why why it really meant so much to me back then. And this was the one upstairs. And it's funny because I listened to this a lot more than I listened to the prior stuff that I had. Yeah. Um, but this one seemed to resonate. I don't know why. I, a little kid, you want to swear. Sure. I love Richard Pryor. He's amazing. But I think it's Bill Cosby's sensibility of... He makes you feel like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He makes you feel like you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's different. Some comedians that I, I love, they push you to the edge of making you feel in a darker place. Right. That, that's why you like it. Sure. Bill Cosby's not that. It's, no, not at all. It, he's your uncle telling <laughs> you funny stories. It's true. It's true. Some of the bits aren't even, I mean, if you said them and read them, they're not that funny. No. It's the way he does it. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, the voices, and obviously they're really polished, and like you were pointing out earlier, sound effects and stuff. Like, he obviously, like, had this shit polished, you know? Yeah, it's amazing that he had the sound effects. Like, if you couldn't, we were talking about before we, we came on, is that if you, a comedian today, unless you're in a big venue, you can't do a sound effect. You can't have... Okay, I need you, the guy in the back, the sound booth guy, to press rain at this specific right, time. Right, right. Okay. You'd have to depend on somebody who just like had never seen your shit before to yeah. like, get it just right. Yeah. And yeah, wow. Yeah. How did he? I mean, I'm assuming he obviously polished this in stand-up clubs and shit, but I just wonder, like, where? Yeah, where did that come from? He was he was doing a lot of stand-up in New York, and he was doing it a lot of times with, with Woody Allen. They were they were both. Uh, doing shows together. That um, is weird. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was really weird, right? See, I would have killed to see that. I know. They they had a, they had a, there was an article in New York Times, I was recently reading up on some Woody Allen stuff, 
And there was an article about how they had like a three-week engagement together. That's insane. With Cosby and Woody Allen. Yeah, and that's where he was he was doing it all. And it was very conversational. Very much, uh, you know, he, he's conversational, but yet it's not like it's stream of consciousness. Sure. It's everything is completely scripted out. Right. And it has to be because the way he jumps... To complete dead stops mm-hmm. to, 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 to get the joke. He builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and then switches it to get the joke. Uh, and, and that's really funny. And that's not conversational. It's all scripted. But Yeah. Yeah. I just love the, the – one of my favorites is the coin toss. And the reason I love this is because I love when he delves into what if we did this with wars. Right. And so you're thinking – the first time I'm thinking, okay, what if we did this with wars? All right. Uh, let's pick sides. Let's flip a coin. But he actually does it as if they already did do the coin toss, uh-huh. and they, there is, these are the results that happen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's nothing new, <laughs> but he doesn't change the result. It's not like he has the British win. Right, <laughs> right. The opposite. He's like, no, this is this is what the coin toss was like exactly before the war, right. the American Revolutionary War. I know, and he just uh, he, he's uh, I don't know. He's pretty clearly. Um, I mean. Well, I don't know. I was going to say it's really... There's, like, the punchline seems really important to him. It was a pretty strict, like, joke format. But a couple of things he did did not really have, uh, like, a real hard punchline. It was just, like, getting there that was just, like, fun. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just just telling a story. Ah, this, this one doesn't need to work as well as the other ones do. Like, I mean, the Noah thing, I mean, he just does the same joke over and over again, at least in the first one. Yeah. Like, the right thing. But it works every time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's mostly straight lines. Straight He's... lines. Like, God's lines are all just straight man lines. He, you know? he kept building. You talk about the Noah one. That's probably one of his most famous bits. Mm-hmm. Um, it got me into really bad trouble when I was little <laughs> because I listened to it a lot. And it actually, um, I started doing the bit at a vacation Bible school <laughs> thing. And I kept like, and the, and the teachers were trying to explain to us Noah. That was the theme that year at the vacation mm-hmm. Bible school was Noah. So every time she would say something, I'd go, right. <laughs> back, yeah. So I went for three days out of the week. And I wasn't allowed to come back anymore. And it's funny, you said, but Bill Cosby got me kicked out. Talk about a, a clean comedian who gets you kicked out of. Yeah. You see, Noah was in his rec room sawing away. He's making a few things for the home there. He's a good carpenter. Vuba, 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 Vuba. Noah. Somebody call? Vuba, Vuba, Vuba. Noah. Who is that? It's the Lord, Noah. (laughs) Right. I just loved that. Yeah, it was just, it's wonderful. It also made me question a lot when I was younger, and it was the first thing that made me question it. It was like, yeah. It is kind of weird. It kind of it points out the absurdity of some of that that story. Yeah. Without really hammering it, he's very subtle with it, and that's the way that he could be political and not bash people over the heads and not offend people. But right. still, it was yeah, there. you you would have thought there'd be more uproar over it, and it's a black guy doing stuff about how silly parts of the Bible are. You would think <laughs> yeah. at the time some some shit would have gone down, but he's so likable, and he was you know. To the white people, it's probably he was an inoffensive black oh, man. Yeah, you know, that's that's what it was. Oh, he's nice. He's nice. That's fine. And I, I don't know. I he must have. I it just seems like he got away with. He didn't get away with a lot, but he got away with something. 
Yeah. You know? His persona is very, um, it's very, it falls right within his political, uh, I'm not trying to, to paint Bill Cosby into a political corner or whatever he is, but mm-hmm. it, what I get from his political leanings is mm-hmm. that he's very family-oriented, and he believes in striving, education, working hard, mm-hmm. and becoming a model citizen. So for him to not use vulgarities, right. for him to not do that, he's not trying to appeal to the kids. He's not saying, hey, kids, listen to this. But he's saying, if the family's listening to this, no one's going to be offended. You know, right. you're not going to... This isn't something you have to hide from your kids, but if your kids, you know, they're not going to really love it. Sure. Uh, yeah, but it really fell into it, and that's where his TV shows ended up going. It's true. But, I mean, the only time I ever heard him swear is that famous bit where he talks about cocaine. Yeah, you, the, you know, and he needed it. Yeah, he, and he he earned it, and it was there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and nobody there was there wasn't a gasp in the house. It was a genuine like relief laugh. And like, isn't it isn't it funny to you that the two most successful comedians, to arguably, I mean, I would say even unarguably, to go on to the two single most successful sitcoms of all time, of all time, never swore. Exactly. Bill Cosby and Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld never yeah. swear, and so true. and they're the, the most successful and yeah. they're both they both shows where i couldn't say cosby show was cutting edge right but in a way it was it was a black family and not showing black family like good times right it was it was a successful black family that was functional yep you know it wasn't yeah. a dysfunctional family they and it just the comedy arose from everyday life yeah yeah that's just it's awesome yeah, it was a, it was yeah it was a humanizing show at a time when it somehow hadn't existed yet really you know <laughs> and how it hadn't even existed. though the other shows were like based off of Norman Lear projects too you yeah. know what i mean which is kind of weird to me like they still kind of they relied okay fine maybe some of it was real but they relied heavily on stereotypes and there's just like bill Cosby wasn't going out of the way necessarily to break stereotypes but be like hey here's some real people that happen to be black and i don't know i mean that was my favorite show growing up me too by 80s, far you know? me too like, it was it's the best thing in the world. You don't have a show like that anymore where the families can sit down where 20-somethings watch it on their own. Right. Yeah, a Pam family of four watches it. If you get a family sitcom nowadays, it's mm-hmm. too shticky. Yeah. It's too... Uh, I mean, everybody loves Raymond kind of cross some barriers. Yeah. Not, not completely, but it, there was something there. Well, it's but, either got to be too ironic or they've got to be really, like, just mean or snarky. And exactly. It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like, uh, just cool it. Like, yeah, I maybe I'm getting old, Mike. Maybe, no, I <laughs> like it hasn't happened since Cosby that I've seen anything like family oriented that wasn't treacle. You know, yeah, it wasn't just like disgusting to watch because this was his show was always good. Yeah, and this album was like the number two album of that year, number two or three of that year, which really? was amazing. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And it's produced, I think, by Alan Sherman. Yeah, it is. He and he the wrote the back, back yeah. the back notes and stuff too. Yeah, he's like, I can't, I wish I could sit there and watch your face when you discover them. I wish he could have when I was a little kid right. sitting in my parents' attic. That's where I keep talking about my parents' attic. We had they had a monster record collection that they threw up there and never touched because they didn't use the record player anymore. They so had a weird. tape player downstairs mm-hmm. and they never used the record player. So the record player sat upstairs and we'd plug it in and get like 130 degrees in that attic in the <laughs> summer and we'd just listen to them over and over and over. That's so good. And oh, I just loved it. I just just couldn't get enough of of this. And this was, I mean, to say who influences who, I, I don't say Bill Cosby influences me because I don't do any my type of comedy that I do completely has nothing it's completely opposite of what Bill right. Cosby does but he's the first 
person who had a major impact on my life about wanting to be funny. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's 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 always big. Yeah. You know? I don't. I can't honestly. I can't think back other than my mom. My mom always wanted to be really funny, but I can't think of who maybe want to be funny. It's just like, oh, I should try this. You know, so I wrote, I was writing down jokes in a notebook when I was like eight, and I'm like, I read it to my mom, she's like, oh, it's really funny, I'm like, yes, this works. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, you know, and then I don't know, and then at some point I was just like, okay, I need to keep studying this shit. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, where was I going to go? I, I had a point. I don't know, I was just, the, the Superman bit, um, mm-hmm. I hate to jump around, but we'll, we'll it'll, it'll be all over the map, but <laughs> the Superman bit to me is one of those bits that, it, it's so simple. It's one of the bits where, he didn't, it's like, okay, Superman goes into a, uh, a new phone booth, and the cop knocks on the phone booth, and it's like, oh, you can't do that, and it's like, it's so simple, there, if you tell that story, it's not really very funny at right, all, right. it's not funny Mm-mm. in the least bit, but he makes it, he makes it humorous, he's got the crowd rolling yeah. during that bit. I'm changing clothes, officer. <laughs> you can't change clothes in the phone booth, come out of there, who do you think you are anyway? I'm Superman. Right. Bring a wagon in, Charlie. Come out of that phone booth. Look, I told you I'm Superman. Can't you see this red S on my chest? Right, let me give you a red S and a black eye if you don't come out of that phone booth. And he comes the closest to, 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 to swearing. Saying mm-hmm. <laughs> like a red S. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Oh, man. I, you know, like... It's so weird. Some of my strongest memories are, are like yours, obviously not in an attic, but like my strongest memories listening to comedy at first were just like so strong. Like they're just like, they're just these weird little capsules of time. Because the first stuff I listened to is not on vinyl. Because my parents, again, I think their record player was broken by the time I started giving a shit. Um, oh, that's not true. That's not true. But the first comedy I ever listened to was on tape for sure. And it was Cheech and Chong's greatest hits. Oh. But like Dan and I. Uh, just would sit in his stepmother's busted out uh, Ford Fiesta, and we had a little portable tape player. We put Cheech and Chong in there. We just listened to it over and over and over again. And then again, that's like it was a perfect symbol, like this little capsule of just like holy shit, my own little world is building up, you yeah. know. And yeah, this is like to think that this still sells though. It's I know. still on iTunes. It sells really well. It's awesome. And yeah, exactly. It's. And this was his first, right? Was mm-hmm. this, his first? this is the yeah. first album. This is the first one I knew of. I mean, there was a few more that I listened to of his that I was a big fan of, but this was the one that, that really got me. It's great listening to the vinyl because it takes you back to a point in your life where, what was I doing at that point? You know, who yeah. was I? You know, I was a little kid. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? It's just, it was awesome. It's just a great. What do you, I mean, for you, what works best about bill cosby in general at least in this at this point i to me it's his inviting nature it's i love the fact that he invites you to be really really comfortable with him Mm -hmm. he wants you to understand oh look at how look at how logical this is you know and Mm -hmm. then he he makes it humorous he's your like i said he's your uncle who who uh, who's telling you funny stories and, and making funny faces and that's what that's what I really love about it. Yeah. Some of the bits that were my favorite bits when I was younger, karate, the last mm-hmm. bit on the, the the record, I listened to it again for the first time in years last night and it was like, eh, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't my favorite anymore. Mm-hmm. But I went back and listened to some of the football ones like uh, Tiny Little Hairs uh-huh. and I was rolling it. I didn't get it then because I didn't shave. But right. he was talking about the football stars mm-hmm. and the athletes doing commercials. And at that, that time, though, those commercials were 
horrible. Yeah. Bob, it's Barbasol. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah, and he, that's what works for me. That's what really, uh, that's what really did it. I love when he interacts with the children. So when he talks in that later albums with his brother, yeah, and you know how how he was a kid. I just love that interaction because he gets into the mind of children really, really well. And maybe that's why it worked for me as a kid. Why it worked. This album works so much. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and the voices don't have to be that great because he just gives you a real quick idea and you you figured it out you know exactly what he's talking about yeah. somehow and it's the same like you're talking about when he does when he talks when he does a voice of a kid or does something from the perspective of a kid he seems to have not forgotten what it's like to be a kid and uh yeah so that that personality is just his in there his mumbling yeah too he mumbles <laughs> a lot he has his great his ambition, and then you laugh. <laughs> it's like wow that was funny i don't know why it was funny he goes off on that the, the, the first the first bit on this whole thing the what is it a nut in every car mm-hmm. he, he talks about the two hobos who are having a conversation and it's there's no words being said for a good 30 seconds. Yeah. There's not even a word being said, mm-hmm. and you're rolling, and it's like... Wh- and, you know, it's, it reminds me of a bit from, from the Richard Pryor one last time where he's talking about pimps on cocaine. That that whole bit where he's just doing a pimp voice, but he's not saying a damn <laughs> thing. Like, I guess in that kind of stuff, you can hear you can hear the influence a little bit, even. It, it's just so weird, though, that, like, you know, Bill Cosby was Richard Pryor's hero. And that Richard Pryor goes on to do what he did. I mean, you have to, obviously you have to grow. And Bill Cosby grew too, but mm-hmm. it's just so weird that somebody that extreme would grow out of this. You can see it, though. Sure. I mean, you can see a lot of Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby. You can see the the storytelling. Sure. And, you know, that the, the way he forms the jokes mm-hmm. and the character, the character's and characters didn't even have to be different voices, you mm-hmm. know, completely. Mm-hmm. Like the Bob Newhart thing, he doesn't use different voices to get them across. That's not the point of it, right? You know? And uh, it's just he just took it to a different place, and you can be influenced by someone and then take it to a different level, take it to a different place. And I think that that's where that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. And like listening again the, to the Richard Pryor stuff, he. He seemed to more. He seemed to be able to, or at least want to, pepper his stuff with more jokes. Whereas Bill Cosby, a lot of those didn't have, like you said, didn't have any funny dialogue in them. But like they, they were building. They build a really simple punchline sometimes. But again, mm-hmm. like he's he's either doing a really funny voice. But like I, I just I would love to have seen the way he wrote this stuff because and like. It, it must have been built on a lot of either improv or just conversation with other people. Because yeah. Because you wouldn't sit down and write these bits. Yeah. Like the Superman one, maybe. Like the couple simple punchline ones, and you just build it and just drag yeah. it out a little bit. But like some of them, you just, I, where the hell was that guy's mind? You yeah. Know? No, yeah. It, it's completely different. It, it, it is one of those conversational things. You don't sit down, write it out. I was listening to a lot of Woody Allen lately, mm-hmm. and he's saying how. His style of writing, it was joke-based. It was set-up, punchline, set-up, punchline. You know, he'd de- deliver it. Mm-hmm. Love him. His heroes, Bob Hope, mm-hmm. who was that style. Yeah. But I'd like to know who influenced Cosby to that point where he... I mean, he started doing Bob Hope stuff in the mm-hmm. 50s. He was on Bob Hope's show yeah. doing a couple things, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know it sounds like the kind of stuff that, like, after a show where he's doing traditional jokes, he's telling stories to somebody, and they're like, why the hell aren't you doing that shit on stage? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they do sound like, or like, here's a really funny concept that I've never quite worked out. Well, why don't you tell it exactly like that? Because that was brilliant. <laughs> exactly. The way you do it is just really good. 
and he obviously charmed the pants off of me. He said, hey, where are we going? <laughs> We're going to get shot. He said, what? I said, we're going to get shot. So what for? Because we got hoof and mouth. Hoof and mouth, what's that? You see that foam around your mouth? Yeah, that's hoof and mouth. They're gonna shoot us? Yep. Any way I can get out of it? Yep. What's that? Wipe that foam from around your mouth. <laughs> His movie career wasn't the best. Right. That is that is that is true. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other than Ghost Dad, what even pops Dad. into my head right now. I can't think of anything. He was else. in some awful movies. I just had my end up and uh, mm-hmm. and I can't remember, but he was in some horrible movies. But he had that the Cosby Show after the Cosby Show in mm-hmm. the '90s. He had Cosby. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, which, which had with fun. Felicia Richard also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a funny show. I mean, yeah. I didn't. It's not something I ever sat down to watch, but I was caught in syndication here. Right, right, right. It seemed like kind of an extension, but he wasn't a doctor. His wife wasn't an attorney. It was more working class family. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And he's he's from Philadelphia, right? Yep. And he went to Temple. He has an honorary uh, doctoral degree from That's Temple. Right. Also. That's right. Yeah. Now, why? What? All right. I'll just get off on a tangent here, just because he's he's culturally a bit... Leonard Part 6, there's another That's group. right, there's the other one. Um, but, like, culturally, he's he's here. You know, he'll never go away because uh, the show had such a big impact and he did what? Like, the Kodak and the Jell-O commercials. And oh, all. yeah. That'll always at least be in the back of the minds of people our age. But, like, uh, it carries through to even, like, the Boondocks. Have you seen the episodes? Yeah, yeah. With, with the, where they, he really does not like Bill Cosby, at least. I mean, uh, I know Bill Cosby's a very different guy. He's more outspoken personally now no, than he was. Yeah, yeah. You know? But to, to, to think that he even doesn't, isn't influenced by him, mm-hmm. his comedy, I don't know. He has to be. Yeah. Know? There has to be some influence there. And maybe it's just a person who he's become lately. I think so. I mean, if, if especially if you grew up and it is an icon uh, of some kind who's who like breaks ground with a show like The Cosby Show, and then seems to sort of turn around on on the quote unquote black community, is maybe that's a little shocking to see. I mean, I understand what Bill Cosby's trying to say. He just wants people to be educated. He just says it in some really offensive ways. Where he, it just... yeah, and it's funny because he's like these kids got to work their own way. He went to Temple on an athletic scholarship. Did he? Yeah, yeah. So he went funny. to Temple on a, a track scholarship. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, and then he, he didn't just do that. He was a, he worked his way through college, too. But that's where he, um, that's where he came from. Yeah. So he wants kids to just, to, I don't know, just not get into the gang lifestyle. The, right. thug, the thug lifestyle is what he's just And that's, to... that's a good message. It'd just be good if he could do it through comedy again. I know he's too fucking old. He's not going to stand up and do... He's not going to do stand-up anymore, but he's, yeah. a, uh, he, he's still got to be a funny dude. But maybe you get old and you're just like, I don't care. I'm not making jokes about it anymore. Yeah, it says that he was uh, uh, reading a nice little clip of here that you can find on Mr. Internets, too. Mm-hmm. That he was discovered by Carl Reiner. What? Yeah, doing, really? doing stand-up. He was bartending. And uh, he would tell funny stories while he was bartending. And everyone told him to start to do comedy in in the six, early sixties, sixty two. Started that's, to do comedy, yeah. That's and Carl Reiner found him. Yeah, that's amazing. Holy shit! And yeah. then his first album was produced by fucking Alan Sherman. Damn. Yep. That's so, now. Do you? I mean, not to go into too many. I mean, 
too many other albums, but what was the other one that you had? Himself. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then to uh, to the other day. and then to Leonard or to my brother. What's his name? What's, What's his brother's name? Is it on here? Uh, I don't know. Russell. To Russell, yeah, my brother who has said that one is amazing to me because I had a father who um, loved my dad. He had to work at three a.m. every day. Ugh. Okay, so me and my brother were up till. 9 or 10, 12 o'clock at night, you know, mm -hmm. in our rooms, we shared a room. We'd be beating the crap out of each other, jumping on the beds and stuff. <laughs> and at the time, you don't realize he's got to sleep. And it's like midnight. <laughs> he's got to get up in three hours. So my father, we heard him bang, 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 bang <laughs> down the hall. Yeah, I think back then it kind of hit a little too close. To <laughs> that's when I, oh, I love, I love hearing that because that's exactly, it takes me back to, I was listening to that uh -huh. and it, his stories were telling about my life at that time. Yeah. You know, it's exactly where I went to school with. Um, he talks about how his father was a drunk. My father was not a drunk who came home. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we come, I, I don't know. I mean, he sounds, I don't know what his, I should have done my research, but I don't know what his life was like growing up. I, I don't yeah, know I should, if he I had that dark too. area in his life, you know. Well, and he doesn't, like, there's nothing really, personal on this album at all no either. nothing i mean this, yeah. I, you, you maybe you don't want to maybe you got to start out like proving to people i can do some good jokes mm -hmm. make people laugh really loud but i mean eventually that's all it becomes yeah it's really personal stories which is like makes them perfect for doing a show like or doing uh you know doing stuff like uh my brain is not working but um Yep, uh-huh, that yeah. show. Yeah, that, that was exactly. a great show. It's a really good show. Mm -hmm. The the Snap, Snap, Snap show starring Bill fucking Cosby. Yeah, Different World, is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, uh-huh. You know, he, he did, though, love his, his, not even his family, but his uh, family that was on the show. I mean, he had this want to make uh, Lisa Bonet and Malcolm Jamal Warner succeed. He was mm -hmm. always trying to help them, you know, keep going. Right. Like, when Lisa Bonet became really rebellious it uh, was really hard for him to that's get, so weird to get over that yeah he created that show for her really that was her vehicle because he was like she's so talented and she's not doing it and i still think she's an amazing actress her sure. her role in high fidelity oh, is so amazing good. that so is like <laughs> i didn't know she could sing before that either so woman like, like oh god she's just <laughs> yeah yeah yep mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, lisa bonnet <laughs> Angel Heart. Remember that one? <laughs> All right, I to get off track here. Uh, I'd always try to get the Dwayne Wayne sunglasses, sunglasses. slip ups. Oh, oh so those good. Awesome. I had to make those the other day. Really? Yeah, because I played Rooney in a drinking game in in the show, a drinking game that I yeah. do, and he's got the flip ups. I had to make oh. some. Yeah, that was complicated, but they worked really well. Fucking like killed. Uh, so now we're talking about Ferris Bueller, which Bill Cosby has nothing to do with. No. Yeah, what, what, I wonder what he, how different he would have been if he had had a really successful movie career. I mean, you know, he made his money doing movies, I guess, but... Like, yeah, he made his money doing TV. He was an executive TV producer was of that, thing, so, yeah, so, yeah. I don't, ah, oh, man, what, like, can you imagine, though, if he'd have gone on to do stand-up like only a few other guys kept doing stand-up? Woody Allen stopped, most of them stopped, Richard Pryor eventually stopped. George Carlin, I guess, is the big example of the guy who did it till the day he died. Yeah. You know? Some do, I think, because they have to. Uh, yeah. Chris Rock keeps doing stand-up because it he has to. He hasn't had the, TV, the most successful TV show. He hasn't had right. the movie career. Oh, God, I think that yeah. was the same thing with Carlin, in a way. It yeah. was he, he, he was in movies. <laughs> sure. He just 
they didn't they weren't like the biggest. I mean, Bill and Ted was awesome. But, well, sure, but, but he never really had a starring role in anything. No, either. and he didn't have to. And that's why some of the people now they look back and they look at like Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. He looks back now and he's like, okay, my show's over. I want to go back to the reason I wanted to do this show. And he started yeah. doing stand-up again, you know? Yeah. If a guy's going to hold me up, where is he? He's down a dark street. Why? Because he's nervous. He doesn't want any trouble. All he wants is my money. Here I come down a dark street. Why? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> but I know the shout. And the guy will put a gun in my back says, give me your dough. I just turn around quick. <laughs> Here, take the gun. What's wrong with you? You should have got the gun. Except so if you don't watch yourself, I'll shout again. And as a matter of fact, you give me your dough. So I held up 18 people like that. His shows were almost, they were almost like performance art, like like Wazamo's uh, uh, freak, Freakaholics. I don't know if you've ever seen any of no. his shows. They're stand-up shows that are two hours, hour and a half long, they ran on Broadway, that are just stand-up but they get serious sure and now cosby doesn't get as serious but he really delves into his family stuff yeah the way he is so it's more of like a play a one-man show yeah that that involves comedy i think he was crossing that over he really opened the doors for a lot of people like like was and people who do that now yeah who do the one-man full shows rather than just standing up there and he sat down most of the time that's so funny. Yeah, me. he just sat at Cosby and did his stand-up. You can't not listen to him, though. He's like, he does just keep you listening the whole time because you're wondering what he's building to, wondering why he's telling you this story. You know, is it a punchline I'm going to be listening to? Or at some point it ends up being like, does he make like a really good point? Uh, I mean, they're always funny. Like, especially like, uh, the thing that always pops into my head is chocolate cake for breakfast. Like, that's, that's... the best thing on the planet. That is the best thing on the planet. But it clearly comes from somewhere totally real. It does. I love that. The song, you're just so excited. Daddy's great. Chocolate cake. That's just amazing. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah, whatever. But what I was going back to the, the sitting down thing to yeah. me was that probably helps him out with bringing people in. Mm-hmm. You're inviting people in by, I'm not standing up here and lecturing at you. We're sitting down. We're having a conversation. We're sure. talking right now. Yeah. I still remember getting kicked out. We were making, I'm so upset I got kicked out of that class too because we were making these awesome crosses out of popsicle sticks that we had to bring in. That's awesome. We had to burn the ends. I know. I think. Burn the, that sounds awful. Because I don't know. They <laughs> wanted them to like, it made it look cool. Oh, okay. And until I was like 20 something years old, I always remembered going to my friend Brian's house and he still had his on uh, the wall from that day that I got kicked out. Uh-huh. So he must have been like, you're getting kicked out. I'm not saying anything. Even though he's <laughs> laughing with me the whole time. He yeah. listened to it just as much as I did. <laughs> it really made me question a lot though, back then. Because Sunday like, school made you burn crosses, Mike. It did. It's really did. scary. That's why they didn't want you talking about Bill Cosby. That's what it was. They're yeah. racists. That, that's <laughs> a bunch of racists. It's great when you're a kid and you're telling jokes like that, especially because the other kids don't know where it's coming from, so it's completely out of context. Yeah. You have to get like, this doesn't even make sense at all. So. Sometimes, that's, and that's the, the joy of it, at least for me, like when I discovered Monty Python, and it's just like, yes, this is my thing. Nobody else knows. That's fine. And it's an know. inside joke between you and your friends, even though it's not really an inside joke. No. Because, uh, no, it's an album people, from 20 yep, years before right. I was born. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's, that's a weird <laughs> thing. Like, I, And again, I don't know if it's an age-based thing or if it's... If it is particular to who we are, but like, you know, you you need those things when you're growing up to latch on to, not just inside things like that, but comedy seems to really pull people together because 
laughing with another person is just so fucking uh, freeing and it really solidifies a relationship, or at least for a little while. I mean, Dan and I are best friends for 20 years because yeah. of comedy. Like, there's no doubt it's because of comedy. Who yeah. was it? I think it was, uh, I can't remember, Mark Bergman, I think, but somebody said, it, you, you, you can cry alone, but you need somebody else to help you laugh. So yeah. when you go to a movie theater and it's empty, it's rare to see one person laughing at a comedy. Right. They'll be, yeah, smile, they need to help people to help, but if it's a drama, you can cry. Exactly. And I mean, there's some of... movies I'll sit and watch, and I, hilarious movies, yeah. but I, I don't need to laugh. Yeah. Like, Wayne's World, my probably my favorite movie of all time. I don't really laugh out loud, but if I'm with other people, holy shit, man, like, it's the funniest thing in the world. It's very true. Who said that? I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. God damn it, Mike. Yeah. You have Mr. the internet Ed's in front of you. Shoot it to us and yes. tell us who please, who please do. Please tell me who said that quote. <laughs> and that was paraphrased, by the way. Don't I didn't quote that exactly. You so. bastard. I know. God damn it, Mike. I know. I'm awful. I'm you, awful. You really are. So is he doing, at the time, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming he got exposed through Ed Sullivan. Yeah, 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 yeah. His first appearances were on Ed Sullivan and oh, Bob Hope Show. I think he was on the Bob Hope oh, Show okay. first. Yeah, he was on the Bob Hope Show first, and then he went on to Ed Sullivan. And uh, yeah, and at that time that he was on Ed Sullivan, I think Woody Allen was writing jokes at uh -huh. the time because he wouldn't do stand up for years. He refused so to do stand up, funny. so Bill Cosby was only doing stand up. He wasn't a writer. He was specifically a performer, which was I mean, he was a writer because he obviously wrote his own stuff. Yeah, they just took different paths. I can't imagine him and Woody Allen getting along. I guess, though, that's the thing about comedy. Comedians get along even if they don't have the same sensibility. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, Woody Allen was just, like, it's just pure neuroses and talking. I mean, I guess he talked about his screwed up, girl, uh, you know, ra being raised in a screwed yeah. up family, too. So maybe they had that to bond over. Yeah. I He, coming back from what we talked about last week, where all art, in my opinion, and I believe Picasso, is political. Um, yeah. even comedy, even stand-up, I think that he was, he was, Bill Cosby was, especially with this record, mm -hmm. he was trying to make his points subtly so that he could build them up over the course of, you know, maybe he didn't even know what his points were. It's like, right. these are funny things, but... I mean, he's literally got a track here called The Difference Between Men and Women, which is pretty basic, That's but, like, it's fine. You know? What is the difference? I don't know. Can you tell me? And he dump boils it up to, women go to the bathroom together and men don't. That's the difference. I'm glad I know that now. Oh, that's great. But if you listen to like, the first one, a nut in every car was so fucking brilliant, and to it, me, it was just like a, it was a portrait of living in a city. Like it oh, yeah. made me feel like being in Chicago again. Because yep, that's exactly how it's it so is. great to to listen to him. Uh, sorry, he led the track off right. I mean, he led mm -hmm. the album off right. He he. This is the way he should. He started it out with a bang, brought it up with toss of the coin. Tiny Little Harris is fine. And then just the first side with Noah, all three Noahs. Noah, Noah, Noah. Yeah, because he could have paced those out throughout the whole thing. What's going on? How come you want me to do all these weird things? I'm going to destroy the world. Right. On candid camera. Oh my god, he joined the Navy after the 10th grade. 
Holy sh... What? Yeah, he completed the high school while he was in a correspondence course while he was in the Navy. Holy crap. Yeah. And Took an athletic scholarship to Temple after the Navy, supporting uh -huh. himself in his studies while tending bar. What did he join the Navy for? There was no war at the time, was there? That's the best Korean? time to join the Navy, yeah. I guess. Yeah, right? what am I thinking? There's not a war part. right now. This is the time to join up. I actually had a friend who joined uh, the Navy in August of 2001. Really? He's like, uh, oh, there's not going to be a war anytime soon. September 11th. Oh. Yep. Yep. He's I joined, still alive, though. That's good. I joined the Navy last week. Okay. Yep, I'm a member of the cast of A Few Good Men, so I... Yes. I am a Navy attorney, too. I graduated law school. Really? What yeah. part are you playing? Uh, Lieutenant Sam Weinberg. Whose part is that in the movie? Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack. That's pretty good. He talked about that on The Nerdist quite a bit. Yeah, it was a fun... Uh, it's a fun show, but I've never been a military man. My brother's military. Is there any humor in that show whatsoever? I'm the comic relief. You're the comic relief. Yeah. That's amazing. I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. That's what he says multiple times. It's really? Funny. That's good. Are you going to do your Bill Shatner right in the middle of it for no reason? Just to I was thinking about Pollock doing out? the whole, the whole, uh, the character sketches as Woody Allen. I was just, I, th I, think, just, I think you should. Just imitating. I think you should. Yeah, I think the whole. So in other words, I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. <laughs> you should do a walk-in though too. If you're going to do Pollock, there has to be a walk-in in there at some yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing a lot of walk-in talks. Mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of scenes. He's like tribute to Aaron Sorkin. We're trying to uh -huh. like have the scene go from one side of the stage to the other. We stop, we talk real quick, and then we separate walking, we're talking across the stage, and then go to the other side. Really? Things like that. Holy Just, shit. Tribute to Aaron Sorkin. That is, that is to do complex. You need to get him out to come and see it then. <laughs> yeah. That is, I Does never... he live in Los Angeles? I don't, I don't know. know. It's the best place to buy coke um i'm sorry aaron sorkin did i say that a lot was he like heroin i don't remember what he I don't liked. Know. he's on something studio 60 that's the reason it didn't last drugs yeah that's why wow can you believe that the simpsons and the cosby show were on the air at the same time really in 1992 is when his show ended i didn't realize it was that late that, it that ended. was the last year and first year when did it when did it start the Cosby oh, Show. I don't. Let's see. When did the Cosby Show start? I can't even find this it. Is right. a, this is exciting audio. Look up things From on the internet. Eighty-five and ask to eighty-seven. The record it broke records. Eighty-four was Fat Albert. So I think about eighty-five, eighty-seven. It might have been. Fat Albert was eight. Fat Albert was eighty-four. Yeah. Man, I always think of it as the seventies, just because of the. No, the sorry, sorry. So it stopped production in eighty-four. Ah, that makes you more sense. You are correct. That makes more sense. That was after Dumb Donald had his uh, his drug problem. Yeah. Yeah really sad yeah so it was originally rejected by abc and then accepted by nbc so which was the show Cosby show yeah. really mm -hmm. man yeah i just i just i just remember just being able to sit down and look forward to watching that show every week do you, loving the theme song do you remember that thursday night lineup no not at the time night court oh hill street blues oh man and family ties holy shit we're all over the Cosby i miss show. family ties so much that is a, oh, an amazing Wow, yeah. It's a very, very two very different shows. I think obviously very family oriented, but two incredibly different shows that attracted me just as much because there's a good family oh, bond yeah. in both shows. Yeah, just very different because one was a bunch of hippies and the other ones were just like two people just trying to make their way by by being professionals. And he hit seventy million viewers in nineteen eighty seven for a couple of episodes. Holy crap! Can you imagine any show? No show gets that right anymore. Now? Seventy million viewers. Not the way. Be. Not that we have DVRs and 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 cable sucked up so much of the other viewership yeah, and divided yeah. it. Holy cow! It's ridiculous. It's absolutely. How does amazing. that even happen? 
Especially, yeah, there's so much reality programming, too, that just kills it that you can't get good programming like it that. It does surprise... I mean, they always, they do say that it's it's really hard to get into movies if you're in TV, but it does surprise me that at the top of his game, he couldn't get a big movie franchise, or he couldn't write his own big movie. Maybe he didn't want to. I don't know. Maybe he took those things just like a lark, but it does surprise me that he didn't have a bigger career. Same with, you know... I'm not as... Like, it wasn't surprised with Richard Pryor, because the drugs were a big thing. Yeah. Bill Cosby, I don't think, has a past like that, or at least he's never talked about it. No, know? no. They, they talk a lot about uh, Leonard Part 6, uh-huh. and there are major... A lot of major organizations who consider that one of the top ten worst American films ever made. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that really could have stemmed the fear of studios wanting him in films. Yeah. It really could have been like, okay, you know, Ghost Dad, kid, yeah, we'll, we'll let him do that. But yeah. it surprised me that he didn't go more of the route of what Eddie Murphy's doing now. Right. You know, well, why didn't he just pump out film after Family-friendly movies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe he didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of uh, water down his, his trademark. Yeah. You know? Maybe it was enough for him to be associated with that show. Yeah. Uh, same with, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't really do many projects. He's only done a couple. I mean, I think he could. Yeah. He's got enough money he could fund his own films. And I think a lot of it has to do with his son dying. In 1997, oh, when his God, son got right, murdered, I think right. that, that he was just that did change him. That made it him did. political instantly. Yeah, I mean, because he was anti-gun, uh, yeah. like very, very loudly anti-gun. Understandably. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That actually weirded me out the first time I because li- I didn't I didn't listen to uh, Eddie Murphy's Raw until years later, and listen to him talk about Bill Cosby talking about Ennis wanting to go to his show, and like in my head, Ennis was just a murder victim because I didn't know who he was. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. before that, I just I just remember hearing about him being gunned down. I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of a weird, surreal moment. Listen to Eddie Murphy bitch about Bill Cosby. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, so, I, I, I just, I do wonder if that story's true. I have always wondered it's... how true that, that story is that he calls up Eddie Murphy. But it's interesting, like, how people who, Pete Guy from Boone Knox, Eddie Murphy, these people who... You couldn't help but be influenced by sure. Bill Cosby. It's maybe you hate the ones you love, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they wanted them to go in a different direction, or or wanted them to. Because if he came out and said, "I just love your work, sure. I love your work," there's no way that they'd be out there bashing him. There's, right, you know, right, right. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the the Eddie Murphy bit too, he talks about, "Sure, I love Bill Cosby. I love the Cosby Show. Oh, I love your show. I can't wait to talk to you." And then Bill Cosby just lays into him, and by the end of it, he's kind of pissed at him. And then so, then he does his Richard Pryor bit, yeah. too, where he says, tell Bill to have a Coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. Like, that's... Wow. So, tell him, I said, suck my dick. That is all. <laughs> that's what he said. He called up Richard Pryor afterwards, and that's what he said. I just want to know how true that is. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite bits Eddie Murphy did. Because that's one of the few that didn't contain the word faggot. You know, yeah. uh, this, <laughs> it was a good bit. Oh, man. Yeah. And and then uh, we were talking about earlier because of I Spy, he became the first black guy to star on a drama show on, mm-hmm. on national TV. I don't know who the first comedian, first comedy guy to star on a show was. I mean, Nat King Cole is the first black guy to have his own show. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that was in the fifties, I think. Yeah. And then yeah, it's just weird to me that he would be the he would be a groundbreaker in drama because I've never really seen I Spy, and I obviously didn't see the remake. Wait, didn't the remake star Eddie Murphy? I don't remember. Oh, yes, the movie. Yeah. With Owen Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Murphy and Owen. That's a weird combo. Oh, yeah. 
Wow, that's weird. Owen yeah. Wilson is everybody's sidekick. It's actually he? not that bad of a movie, and no. it was a horrible bomb, box office right. bomb. It made no money. How does that happen? Yeah, Owen Wilson is everybody's sidekick. Yeah. Like, he, it's the, the, the Shanghai Nights movies, Starsky and Hutch movie, that, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's actually ever starred in a film. We just think he has. <laughs> he's never, Owen Wilson's never starred in a movie. Even Marley and me, he was the dog sidekick. The dog was the, yeah, I think you've... Yeah. I think you've gone on to something here. Man. Yeah. Man, I, I, I'm going to talk to Wes Anderson tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to give him a call. Oh, God. He was amazing. And, oh, nothing. I, I, I sent a message out to my Twitter friends to uh, send us questions on this podcast, and it seems that no one has. All right. So, wonderful. All right. That's good. Well, how about we do that ahead of time next time? and then? We'll... I did it this morning. Oh, you did it this yeah, morning. Yeah. What a bunch of fuckers. I know. I, I'm sorry. If you guys are listening, when I say fuckers... I, we're from upstate New York. That is a term of endearment. It is. Like in Australia where they call you a bastard. That's a term of endearment. Scotland, they call you a cunt. That's a term of endearment. Mm-hmm. Fuckers in upstate New York, I think as yeah. we all know, is, is uh, yeah. It's a wonderful term. It really is. Wow. Uh, so, all right. You know what? We, uh... <laughs> I think we've exhausted my knowledge and... And mine. My nostalgia. Yeah. So you, so you have no nostalgia left? That's really sad. No, I have no nostalgia left. I mean... I, this just took me back to my attic again. Yeah. And that just took me back to some crazy stuff I did in my attic with some girls in high school. So That's awesome. This was a great experience. This could be for a new me. podcast. Let's it talk was. about Mike Mike gets some. <laughs> Mike gets some. It was just it was a great experience and uh, maybe that's for another podcast, but oh, thanks. Thank you. Second that. base with Mike Warden. That'll be the Second base. <laughs> All right, first base with Mike Warden. Yeah, All right. That's... I was awesome at first. <laughs> Home base with Mike Warden. They yeah. leave, and you have the attic all to yourself. <laughs> you and Bill Cosby. Me and Bill Cosby. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Episode five. Mike Warden and me and comedy and vinyl. And uh, that's it. All right, bye. Bye. Comedy on Vinyl is recorded at Fort Awesome Studios in Burbank, California. Follow us on Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. And follow us on Facebook or like us at goo.gl forward slash capital V capital S M F Z as in zinc.